What up, AOTA family? Welcome to Passing Period and All the Above Podcast Extra. As you know, we drop these in between our full episodes, our full episodes of All of the Above. Feature super dope guests and a look at several headlines and all kinds of great stuff. And those are video shows that I edit during my during the work week. My name is Manuel Rustin, your favorite teacher's favorite teacher. And um, it takes a while to edit those because, huh, full-time teacher here, as well as Jeff, uh, Mr. Super Duper Principal Leader Man. So it takes a while to get those around. So in between those, we drop these passing periods. Jeff, how are you doing this weekend? It's a President's Day weekend. Is that the holiday that it is? It's a three-day weekend uh, in February. I know that. Yeah, it is. It is President's Day weekend. It's one of the whacker holidays on the calendar. Whacker. Is that uh, <laughs> that's some tier three vocabulary right there? Whacker. Yes. And, and it's a great vocabulary word. And here's what I am appreciating about uh, President's Day. Three-day weekend. Word. I need one. Second of all, mattress sales. Bought to go get me a new bed uh, this weekend as well, Manuel. Um, and, uh, you know, also, uh, I'm going to iron my cape as Mr. Super Duper Principal Leader Man. I think uh, I'm just going to... I'm just going to let that marinate. Uh, yeah, man. Carry, carry that with me in spirit this weekend, Manuel. Yeah, got to keep that cape crisp for sure. <laughs> for sure. Uh, yeah, man. That's that's like the worst comic book hero's name ever. <laughs> like, it'd be like Spider-Man, <laughs> Captain America, and Super Duper Principal Leader Man. <laughs> oh, man. That would be kind of uh, comedy, man. That could be comedy. That could be some good stuff. Make an appearance uh, yeah. in Abbott Elementary or something, feature uh, yeah. guest or something. <laughs> yeah. That principle is hilarious, by the way. You still haven't watched that show, have you, Jeff? I still haven't watched. I I'm just going to stop bringing it up because clearly you're, I, not, you're not invested in trying to watch it. But yeah, the principle well, in that show is hilarious. Here's the thing. I am notoriously bad at watching current television programming that's not available on a streaming service I already have because I, I just don't I can't play the game of like wait yeah. until Thursday and then be free Thursday at 8 p.m. or you know like I just can't live my life that way and um, so if it's not on a particular service that I already subscribe to I'm just not gonna get more subscriptions so okay um, although do I you will not say have I any did... TV like because it's on ABC like do you just not have like... no 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 I have yeah I have a TV but that's what I mean about like I'm not gonna be always free at whatever day of the week at that time that it comes on so it, when it's live if I miss it I miss it you know what I mean I only watch football because it's on Saturday and Sunday and I you know and I don't have to work those days you know often so um eventually i will watch abbott elementary it'll probably be like five years from now um after everybody has stopped talking about it and i'll be like man yeah it was a great show that's what i did with the wire that's what i did with uh breaking bad <laughs> yeah all the all the big shows i watched like five years after everybody else was done with them so back back in the days when you used to get the DVD in the mail from netflix hey that's okay? how i watched the wire yeah because i definitely <laughs> yeah. didn't have hbo back then nah yeah, yeah i hear you okay that's fair. That's fair. Anyways, the principal, you love her. She's hilarious. Actually, you might not because you're a principal and some principals out there, I won't say any names, but some have taken offense to the portrayal of the administrator in that show. Not, I mean, it's a comedy. It's a sitcom. Anyways. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, Jeff, we drop these passing periods in between our full episodes because sometimes we uh, take time to talk about stories that didn't make it in our full episodes. And these are only for the podcast listeners. So that makes it just a lot, uh, uh, so much easier to edit and throw out there 
really quickly. Um, so, folks, our next full episode will drop next weekend. We had the wonderful Liz Kleinrock. You may know her as uh, Teach and Transform on Instagram or Twitter or all this, all the socials, um, super dope, super dope guest. And we already had that conversation that'll be coming your way next weekend. And for now though, Jeff, um, there's a really big story this week and it's a really interesting story because it's one that has been picked up by news outlets far and wide. And it seems that like you asked, if you ask 10 different people what happened, you'll get 10 different explanations. Um, and it all goes, it all relates to this school board recall in San Francisco. So I thought maybe we should discuss that on this show because it is, it seems to be a, a sort of a coming together of a lot of different issues in the world of education and just the different ways in which I guess our conversations around power and race and culture and all that, just how they all kind of coalesce during this pandemic and this open schools movement. It just seems like all that stuff is embedded in what happens in this uh, San Francisco school board recall. So Jeff, let's, um for, for folks who have, who are full-time classroom teachers and had no time to hear anything about this board recall, uh, I myself only recently like learned about it because, you know, high schooling in a pandemic. Um, Break it down for us. What what what's the gist of what actually happened in uh, San Francisco regarding these uh, school board members? Yeah, man. Well, this is a fascinating story, and I'm gonna break it down for everybody uh, here, real simply. Okay, here's what happened: the woke mob, okay, was hanging out with the libtards, mm. who then. We're, uh, we're conspiring with the cultural Marxists to overthrow freedom in America. And so the patriots who love freedom had to come to the rescue. Mm. Okay, that's it. That's, that's pretty much the story. Um, Sounds reasonable. So. <laughs> Sounds fair and balanced. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, I, I, you know, hopefully that was funny. Uh, but if it wasn't, <laughs> that's okay. I'll take it. Uh, <laughs> So here's, here's the deal. Um, best I can determine from reading, I think I've read now five or six different articles from a variety of news sources, including The Atlantic, The San Francisco Chronicle, LA Times, New York Times, AP, New York Post, okay? At least there might have been a couple other now uh, that I think about it. And there is a fascinating lack of consistency, both in framing and factual statements about what all has taken place in San Francisco, uh, which I think is part of what makes this so interesting. So let's try to get like the essence of it here for everybody, which is uh, last week, well, depending on when you're listening to this, I think it was the, um, um, the week before we are recording this, we're recording on February 19th. So over the last week or so, there was a recall election um, that actually took place, or a recall vote that actually took place, um, that removed three members of the San Francisco Unified School District Board of Education. Those three members were President Gabriela Lopez and members um, Fauga Moliga and Allison Collins. Okay, all three recalled, removed from the board. Now, um, this is noteworthy and newsworthy for a bunch of reasons. One, because we're just seeing so much scandal around the country right now with, you know, threats of school board members and the anti-CRT, you know, nonsense that's happening. 
But this is happening in the city of San Francisco, which is a notorious, right, like sort of liberal bastion, right? It's essentially a single party city, right? Everyone or almost everyone who's in elected office runs as a Democrat. Um, and so you, you don't necessarily always see this same type of political infighting, so to speak. Um, but uh, what happened with the removal of these three board members is a coalition of folks, including Mayer, uh, who's considered to be kind of a centrist Democrat um, or more moderate Democrat relative to some others locally, uh, London Breed, um, supported the recall along with a whole bunch of really rich uh, folks in San Francisco um, who donated lots of money to the recall effort. And um, there was lots of wedge issue animation that uh, took place in, uh, in this situation. So just a few of these wedge issues included the, um, the so the lens of the sort of the Timeses of the world, the New York Times and the LA Times, their, their wedge uh, of reporting is, this is spells doomsday for the Democrats for the midterms. Wokeness has reached its limits and, you know, uh, it's going to be the end of the Democratic Party or whatever, right? So, like, they're too woke. They're talking about equity too much and it's pissing people off, okay? Another wedge issue is uh, the board, even though this issue has been in progress for several years now, um, and in fact, we've done some reporting about other municipalities in the Bay Area that did some renaming of schools that have been named after problematic white people in the past, being renamed, um, San Francisco was set to do this for just over 40 schools in their district um, as well, including the likes of Abraham Lincoln, including the likes of Senator Dianne Feinstein, and I honestly would pay money to watch a school named after Diane Feinstein uh, get renamed uh, just to reveal my personal bias in the equation. So um, whoever made that happen, fantastic, love it. Um, and it might not be clear to people, the motivation behind that decision was apparently when she was mayor of San Francisco back in the day, she actually... Uh, replaced a Confederate flag that had been, you know, defaced or graffitied on or whatever outside of a government building. Um, and she, like, protected the Confederate flag. So, um, you know, we'll just let her record stand for itself on that one. Um, so there's the issue of renaming the schools. Then, Manuel, there's the, there's the perhaps even more sticky issue around admission to... Um, to the most or one of the most selective high schools in San Francisco, Lowell High School, I believe it is, um, uh, which is, you know, considered one of the city's most kind of sacred institutions where Asian American students have long made up the majority of students in the school. And the district was set to go to a um, to end the kind of testing-based admissions process and go to a lottery-based admissions process as part of an equity initiative. And the reason I'm citing this as a wedge issue is this is the kind of classic turn Asian Americans against other people of color or divide other people of color from Asian Americans uh, in service of a larger white supremacist testing order of, <laughs> of things, right? Um, and so there was apparently a major animation of uh, the largest Asian American community in San Francisco, which is Chinese American folks. Um, and, you know, we've seen this playbook play out in other parts of the country and it's ugly and, you know, it's not, it's not a good look. 
Uh, so all of these things happening in San Francisco, and it results in uh, three board members being recalled, uh, the end of wokeness, uh, and doomsday for Democrats in the midterms, and I don't, I, you know, I don't know. So <laughs> that, that's... That's my best attempt to share what I think happened in San Francisco over the last 10 days. Manuel, break it down for us here. What do you think? What, what do we need to take away from this? What's important for us to talk about in this situation? Right. Well, um, one issue that is also was also part of this that um, wasn't mentioned just now is the open schools part of it. So evidently the school districts, the school board, was facing pressure to, to reopen their schools last spring when cases were way down and vaccinations were way up and this and that. And I, I guess there was a controversy over whether or not the school board was doing enough to try to reopen schools. And, you know, I hate that terminology reopen because it's not like the schools were closed. Obviously, uh, education was happening. Obviously, teaching and learning was happening. But in any case, um, the in-person instruction part of it, uh, I guess a lot of parents were upset that the school board evidently didn't have a plan or wasn't communicating a specific plan for when they would uh, reopen their door. So that means if you look at this race, pretty much whatever issue you are passionate about, like it's in there somewhere. So if you are somebody who thinks schools should have never um, closed to in-person learning, that they should have remained open because COVID's not that serious and this and that and learning loss, learning loss, all that, then yeah, you could point to this and say, ha, see, told you parents wanted those schools open. The school board refused to open them up soon enough. And that's why they got kicked out. So yeah, these COVID mandates and restrictions and all that stuff, they're bad news for Democrats or bad news for uh, folks out there because, you know, parents have had enough and they refuse to take it anymore. If your passion is for, um, quote unquote, wokeness, then this is a race that you could point to and say, like a lot of media outlets have been doing, um, point to and say, see, they're they're overly woke, they're overly uh, ideological. Uh, I'm looking at an opinion piece in the Washington Post that just goes on and on and on about like these progressives tried to do this, these progressives tried to do that. So this is a race you could point to and say, see, people are tired of of liberals trying to indoctrinate kids and trying to push their uh, politics on us. And this school board went too far. They're trying to rename all these schools instead of focusing on more important things. So, you know, those types of folks are able to point to this race and say, see, this is this is what happens when you uh, spend too much time talking about race and culture and, and not talking about achievement and test scores or whatever. If you're somebody who is passionate about tracking and passionate about gifted education and advanced education and making sure those gifted students have their space, then this is another race you could point to because folks are were very upset about the board um, attempting to change the admissions criteria for Lowell High School or the admissions process. So you could point to this and say, see, see, they, that's this is what happens. They're trying to lower the quote unquote, lower the standards and, and you know, kids worked hard for that and what's wrong with merit-based systems and this and that. So kind of like whatever your your passion is around education and education topics, it, it just seems like it's apparent in this race. And I think it's very important that we stress that, like, neither one of us work in San Francisco Unified. I had I have not been following this very closely. I'm we're both down here in Southern California in two different districts in Southern California, so we can only speak to what we've seen from afar. And Jeff, I've seen a lot of a lot of snark from like from liberals, a lot of snark around this, around like these 
uh, school board members, they were just doing too much. And how ridiculous is it for them to try to rename Abraham Lincoln when rename a school um, that's named after Lincoln in the middle of a pandemic when they should have been focusing on getting students back in the schoolhouse and this and that. And there's, there's a lot of that snark is what I came across in the LA Times and New York Times and Washington Post. And I think lost in a lot of that is, for one, uh, some particulars about mistakes that were made, apparent mistakes that were made by these school board members. I think there's violations of some uh, open meetings acts and and some other things. So like some have pointed out, this is more about their lack of competence than it is the actual like, you know, aim of what they are trying to do. So, you know, clearly you, you cannot be a school board member of, or member of any um, public board and like violate those those terms in terms of making sure folks have access to what's being discussed and have access to and, and ability to uh, provide public input and all that. So, you know, that competence part seems to be a part of it. But yeah, Jeff, I think it's um, it's worrisome to me that in at a time when school boards are under attack across the nation, and many of those attacks are rooted in bigotry and racism and hatred, it's troubling to me to see so many folks jump on this race and try to use it as, you know, proof that like progressive politics are dangerous and are going to hurt Democrats. It just seems like year after year after year, we hear folks use the excuse of like, you know, Americans aren't here for all that progressive stuff. That's going to hurt Dems. Uh, that's going to hurt Dems. You know, we've heard, you know, in the national scene, we've heard folks continue to blame quote unquote, the squad and, and blame them for hurting Democrats because the, you know, uh, sayings like defund the police and this and that are really toxic to the brand. And a lot of like emphasis on progressive politics being poisonous. And it's that's troubling to me because for one, um, you know, this race is about so much more than that. Secondly, there, <laughs> that misses the point of Actual curriculum being banned, actual books being banned, real threats to the lives of school board members across the country. Like, don't tell me the toxic stuff is attempts to rename schools. At a time when parents are sending letters, I don't know if you saw this, Jeff, there was um, a report, an investigation in in Reuters by um, led by Gabriella Border, and she, she was posting... Um, images of some of these threats that have been sent to school board members. And this report documents more, over 200 threats that have been sent. In any case, one of these one of these letters that she posted a picture of was written to the child of a school board member in, in Virginia. And it's written to the her child. And it says, I'm quoting here, it is too bad that your mom is an ugly communist blank. If she doesn't quit or resign before the end of the year, we will kill her. But first, we will kill you. Like, that's the type of stuff wow. that's out there. And we're talking about, whoa, Dems better be careful about their progressive politics. Because look, the, even the bluest city in the country isn't having it. Like, give me a break, man. This is not equivalent. Like, these school board members, I don't know any particulars about them. It sounds like... They definitely made mistakes in their overall process of what they were trying to do. But miss me with the like, oh, this is a warning sign for for uh, liberals across the nation. Enough is enough. Like, no, man, they are putting threats on people's heads here, man. This is like this. We cannot equate this like I, I'm troubled by the coverage and this being positioned as like 
liberal politics gone too far? Because it just sounds like this race is, is not even necessarily about that. It sounds like it's mostly about the emissions thing and general competence. But I don't know, man. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> the false equivalency uh, kind of vibe that you're you're naming there, I think, is a very important one to note. Right. That like in some ways what's happened now in San Francisco is like, um, you know, it's interesting and newsworthy in the sense that like, wow, this doesn't usually happen. And it's happening in the context where it is happening. Uh, and it's like a little bit of a train wreck, so it's just kind of fun to watch and see what's going to happen, right? And it's also being, uh, as you said, overblown in in reference uh, in reference to the level of like violent fascist nonsense that's happening in other parts uh, of the country. Um, so I think that's an excellent point that um, we, we should just never stop making here, right? Like, what's actually dangerous in the equation isn't what's happening in San Francisco as much as it is what's happening elsewhere. Um, now, I will say, I, you know, the San Francisco Unified School District uh, is in a very unique context, right? San Francisco is a city of about a million people, one of the most densely populated places in the country, and also the city in this country that has the smallest number of children, uh, like per capita, of any city in America. And we might ask ourselves, why is that the case? How did it get to be that case? And the very clear answer is because San Francisco is stupidly expensive to live in because it's near Silicon Valley, it's a beautiful place. So you got all these rich people who moved in, property values are just insane. And you can't live there for the most part if you have a family. So, and poor people are being gentrified out. Um, poorer people tend to have more kids. Richer people tend to have fewer kids, right? So these, these combinations of factors have made San Francisco a very unusual place, right? Um, I believe, man, well, I'm gonna have to double check this, but the, the student population in San Francisco is something like 50,000 kids, right? Which is, uh, if So I'll give you a, a point of comparison, right? If you combine Minneapolis and St. Paul, the cities where I grew up, it's like three quarters of the population of San Francisco. But if you combine the school districts of Minneapolis and St. Paul, it's a larger uh, shared school district than San Francisco Unified because there's so few kids. Um, in San Francisco, right? I, I believe the student population in San Francisco Unified is something like 50,000 um, kids, right? So, um, you know, th that's a very small district relative to the size of the city. And um, what it also means is there's lots of people with voting power who don't actually have a direct stake uh, in... Now, let me qualify this statement because I think we all have a direct state, a stake in public education. But lots of people who don't have children in the system weighing in through the electoral process and the campaign finance process on school board elections relative to what you would have in, in other cities, right? And we also know that our participation in school board elections is notoriously terrible in, in America. Um, so, you know, it can be a small handful of votes, right, of very animated people or a small handful of donors that is the difference between winning and losing, passing an agenda or not passing an agenda, that sort of thing. 
Um, so San Francisco is just such a strange context in that in that sense for us to be having this kind of discussion. Um, but I, you know, I do think Manuel that is um, it is interesting to me that these three board members are all board members of color, um, a Latina, uh, a woman who identifies as African American, and a uh, Pacific Islander man. Um, removed. Um, I'm going to have to double check here the demographics of the rest of the board. Uh, but a question for me, Manuel, is going to be who replaces them? And what are the demographics of the people who replace them? Well, and, and I think that may, it may tell us or may be illustrative of um, some of the issues that have actually animated people to come out and support this recall effort. It, it, it's possible. Um, I'm not quite sure. I did hear on NPR, I heard you know, a story about this, and um, one of the parents that was behind this recall said that they would have recalled the whole board, but I, I guess the other board members weren't eligible to be recalled. I don't know how that works. Uh, certainly, folks, <laughs> folks who are listening, certainly, we, we do not... Again, we do we do not work within San Francisco Unified. Um, we're here, kind of giving our thoughts on sort of the coverage of this story. So definitely, you know, hit us up with with some details, important things that we might be missing. But yeah, Jeff, to your point, like I I will see who gets put in that place. It really sounds to me that like this is heavily a story about elitism. We're talking about a city where the median household income, I think is like 130,000 or something like that. And to your point, these are a lot of folks who might not necessarily have kids in the system. Certainly San Francisco's, you know, black and brown families, the folks uh, heavily and traditionally historically marginalized and being pushed out. I, I would assume if we were to look at exit polls or whatever might be there about whatever data might be there about who actually showed up to vote. I'm sure a lot of the folks who showed up to vote in this are are those folks who want to uphold status quo elite values, having this elite high performing high school, keeping schools fully open during the pandemic and all of that, because just generally speaking, that's how politics work in this nation. Those those on the margins tend to be the ones who who get silenced and that's why that's why we use the word marginalized they are on the margins of a lot of these uh power and power dynamics and conversations so um i don't know what the voter turnout was for this election i thought i saw something about like 19 percent. that could be wrong but it, it was relatively low so obviously the folks who are going to show up as you already said jeff are going to be the folks who are uh, more motivated in this case and i'm sure those are folks who are on the higher income side of things and are folks who believe in these merit-based admissions or whatever you want to call them where GPA and test scores is a factor. And all that being said, that leads me to believe that the, the board members will be replaced by folks who will uphold the status quo. This is partially, I think, an example of how folks would Folks are very, very comfortable putting up like Black Lives Matter signs in their in their yards mm -hmm. and stuff like that. The performative aspects of quote unquote wokeness, but when it comes to actually shifting power dynamics, actually making space in elite schools for Black students, then it's like whoa, 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 that that's a bit much there. So to me, I think that's why there was also a lot of snark on the side of liberal uh, publications covering this story because it's just like. Folks were all down for that summer of 2020 stuff, all the symbolic gestures, the t-shirts, the the signs in the yards, all that stuff. But when it comes down to like actual action, 
Folks ain't trying to hear it and they will laugh it off because it's just ridiculous to them. So this notion of changing the names of schools, like they'll just laugh that off as being ridiculous. Like, how are you gonna focus on that during a pandemic when you have all these other things going on? And this is stuff we hear all the time about how like, yeah, you know, what that issue there might be kind of important, but we got more important things to focus on right now. And I'm sure they made mistakes in in the whatever process they used to to try to rename schools and and in the end they didn't end up renaming the schools and i'm sure they made mistakes in um whatever mechanisms they used to try to explore admissions at this school which evidently has a history of anti-blackness uh, the local naacp uh, was calling for a change to their admissions policies saying that the admissions policies are heavily involved in the anti-black culture of the school which again I don't go there. I don't know anyone that works there. I'm just uh, talking about what I've seen um, in the coverage of it. So, so yeah, it just sounds like a whole lot of like that convenient liberal politics that is very much, oh yeah, I totally voted for Obama. Hell no, I'm not going to let my daughter come home with a black man like that. That type of like, mm -hmm. I'll say the right things and I'll I'll signal, virtue signal all this stuff. But at the end of the day, I want to remain comfortable. I want my kids to have access to the power. I am fully going to uphold the status quo because it works out for me. So it, it just seems like there's a lot of that in this race as well. But maybe that's just me doing what I accused others of, which is to say, look at this one race and find their issue and find their take and, and use whatever pieces confirm their own bias. So I will be very upfront in saying, maybe that's just me um, finding what confirms my own bias here, but it just seems like my whole life has been hearing folks who say the right things, then take whatever action that upholds the status quo that's always been there. And it's just like, okay, man, all right. Action speaks louder than words and waiting for that action. Been waiting for some action my whole life. Yeah. Um, it is, I think you're bringing up a very important point, Manuel. And there is, um, I think there is a genuine risk that people who I, you know again I, I am not I don't know the details of the policy agenda of these you know of these three board members apart from what we've discussed here but there is real risk right for folks who are pushing for an equity agenda no matter how deep or shallow that, that equity agenda is it is risky and uh, the, the kind of confluence of oppositional forces that can be motivated, funded, weaponized against you is very, very real. And there's a reason, uh, to some extent, that we don't see a lot of courage on this front um, from you know, elected officials around education across the country. Um, and I think it's, it's sad that that may be one major factor um, in this equation. Uh, you know, I do think, Manuel, there is there's something to me that is uh, that's a bit chilling, right? About the idea that um, the the takeaway, the public takeaway from this discussion, could wind up being we have to we have to take our foot off the the gas of an equity agenda, right? 
um, because it's, you know, it's somehow like threatening to our ability to get anything else done. And this, this has been a recurring theme, not only in education, but in our just larger political landscape forever, uh, particularly on the, you know, on the Democratic Party side of things. They're like, you know, everything from we can't include, you know, black women in, uh, you know, women's rights movements because then we won't get anything for women. So we got to take care of white women and then we'll get, you know, the black women right um, to, you know, to this idea that like, you know, we can't. Uh, we can't focus on colonial names of schools because there are other problems going on and, you know, and, and like how dare we waste our time on changing the names of these schools that, that are literally named after violent oppressors, right? Um, and it's like, come on, man, we can walk and chew gum. We absolutely can. We do it all the time with all kinds of other stuff. Um, but it's, it only becomes an issue when we're talking about something that's part of like a real equity um, agenda in, in, in any way, big or small, right? Um, the other thing about this, Manuel, that's real illustrative is a lot of the articles that I've seen about this issue talk about the so-called frustrations of people with the board and saying like, well, they should be focused on reopening schools, um, which is a fascinating way to frame the issue because they're not framing, they, they, they're acting as though the school board caused the pandemic and then just didn't clean up the mess, right? San Francisco has been a leader as a city across the country in its response to the pandemic and going from being one of the early places where there was an outbreak, right? Back in, you know, early in 2020, where it was like, oh my goodness, COVID's here and it's, you know, it's, we're going to overwhelm the hospitals. San Francisco went from being one of the early hotspots to one of the early places that locked down, that had very, you know, um, robust public health measures in place, part of which was closing in-person school to mitigate spread of the disease, which has likely saved tens of thousands of lives, or maybe not tens of thousands in that one city, but tens of thousands of people from being infected with COVID and hundreds or maybe thousands of people from suffering either long-term debilitating illness or death as a result of the pandemic. Because San Francisco is in many ways, like New York, a dense city that, that you can't be away from people if you're there, <laughs> right? And, there's, and it's cold a fair amount of the year, so people you know, are indoors a lot in cramped apartments, right? And so this is... You know, it's just interesting how this issue gets framed, right? They're not focused on reopening the schools. No, they're actually focused on keeping everyone alive and healthy, okay? So while school was open, all right, just operating virtually. So there's, there's, there's a bit of like uh, creative framing and maybe even some revisionist history that, you know, that's going on here that I think it's, it's worth us calling out. Um, and uh, And I think, you know, to me, the, the big moral of the story is like we can't stop pushing on an equity agenda, regardless of what the Times and the Chronicle and these, you know, these kind of outlets say, um, because there isn't an alternative. If we stop pushing and we elect moderate board members who won't do anything, we're not going to get anything. If we keep pushing and they throw out the few board members who actually want to join us on a few of these issues, Maybe those board members get removed. And worst case scenario, we still don't get anything. But like, either way, we got to keep pushing. Because <laughs> yeah. not pushing isn't going to get us 
the things we need to, to create more just conditions for the communities and, and kids that we serve. So, um, you know, the, the, the narrative here is being spun in a lot of ways, but it is, I, th I think, maybe missing the point of like, oh, actually, we just got to keep organizing and push harder. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And we have to be cognizant of and, and remain hyper aware of how these narratives get painted because there have been other school board races across the country where folks have been stopped or recalled who were super, super like anti-CRT type folks. And we don't hear nearly as much about those races where the you know so-called progressive politics won. Um, so yeah, we got to be hyper aware of how uh, these different stories are being spun and... The impact of of ongoing of the ongoing fight for equity and for justice for for all of our students, man. And yeah, man, it's just yeah, just gotta stay vigilant. I don't know what else to say about it. I don't know what else to say about it. But folks, um, obviously, some of you are I shouldn't say obviously, some of you are listening who might work in San Francisco Unified or be closer to this issue certainly than than we are. So we welcome your input in on this on this matter definitely hit us up on our our socials at aota show um or you know what i'm saying hit uh visit our our website drop us a message or anything like that and and be part of this conversation and let us know what's up in any case we hope everybody out there is um going to hopefully enjoy uh some semblance of a nice weekend here we really do appreciate y'all and it's been a while, I think, since we like made a push to like ask folks to um, write us a review, especially on Apple Podcasts. So um, if you, you know, if you're relatively new to our show and, and haven't reviewed us or, or written up a little review, we would very, very much appreciate that because uh, we are a two-person operation, and all of that love, all that support goes a very long way. And you know, back in the day, we were offering uh, laptop stickers for folks who would write a review and send us a screenshot. I believe we still have laptop stickers uh, remaining because we ordered a whole bunch of them. So, hey, if you're still listening at the end of this episode, which I do appreciate also, um, certainly write us a review, send us a screenshot, and um, shoot, we'll get you a laptop sticker uh, sent to you right away so you could represent all of the above wherever you travel, wherever you may go. But that's about it for this week's passing period. Jeff, anything else before we get out of here? Um, I think I would just say, let's remind folks where they can send that screenshot to. Uh, the DMs are open on Twitter. We are at AOTA Show. That's at AOTA Show. We are also at AOTA Show on Facebook, but nobody likes to use Facebook for these kind of things. So I definitely you know, don't. Do what you do. Uh, <laughs> but it's there if you need it. Uh, and then um, we're out here in these Gmails um, at allaboveshow at gmail.com. Um, all above show at gmail.com uh, and we'll get you that sticker send us send us the screenshot of your five star review glowing review if you're a if you're a hater and you want to um, use the n-word 70 times maybe you can put that review on Spotify uh, instead uh, <laughs> wow Jeff wow <laughs> I just I felt like I should say that just uh, just cause we're, you know I mean we have listeners on Spotify they're cool too Oh, yeah, for sure. And it's, you know, Spotify lets us have the video episode also streaming in the app. Uh, granted, passing periods don't have a video component. So, yeah, there's that. <laughs>
I deflated Manuel, everybody. He's 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 down. He now. did. We'll, he we'll did. end on a positive note. Uh, we appreciate everybody out there who listens, who shares the show with your network, um, who engages with us on social media. We very much enjoy it because uh, this is a, a labor of love, and um, we we appreciate you all. So um, thanks for the support. Appreciate it. Everything you can do is a big help and. Um, with that, Manuel, I think you, you know what the deal is. Yeah, yeah. All right, folks. We'll see you next week. Next week, Liz Kleinrock joins us for a full episode of All the Above. All right? We love y'all. Now it's time for you to go ahead and get to class.